evidence and answers. Incidents such as the case of George Floyd have brought great attention to the issue of police brutality. Is there current systemic police brutality in the United States? Are there statistics to give insight into whether there is systemic police brutality in the U.S.? How can we bring about a positive change? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. The last time we were together, Pat and his guest, Dr. Ross Hinkling, began a discussion about the issue of police brutality. Remember, if you've missed any part of this broadcast, head on over to our website, that's evidenceandanswers.org, and look up police brutality. You can download it or listen online. Now let's conclude this informative interview. Yeah, you know, I was speaking to somebody who used to be an Asian police officer, and he was very blunt with me. He says, I've seen people murdered. I've seen people taken out all the time. It happens all the time in our country. I'm not going to mention which country it is, but that is what you will get. You will have no recourse for the people. Things will just happen, and the people will be oppressed without any recourse. I suggest to you... The way we have it structured now is the best possible way because, again, the citizens have a say-so. They have recourse. They have a redress. If something happens, then they can go to their elected officials and take care of it. Yeah, and you notice what the protesters from this particular ideology are saying. They're not saying reform the police. They're saying defund the police. That's a different message there. Tell us about that. Right. It is interesting because when you defund the police department, you're further degrading their ability to do the police work that they need to do to keep the community safe. And so it was interesting that once these major cities started defunding the police, what you see is rising crime rates, rising violent crime rates in New York City and Chicago and other major cities. And then there's a cry, like even Minneapolis, oh, let's refund the police because this isn't working very well. But what I always thought was interesting when I was a local police officer was that I knew that I had the support from the high crime communities. uh, And and those who were in Portsmouth, some of them were African-American, and they supported the police. And I knew I had their support. I even had a young man on one scenario. I couldn't quite catch up with a man who had committed a crime and was fleeing And I said to an African-American gentleman, help me catch that man. And he immediately caught them, always calling in, always assisting us when crimes were occurring. But it seems that this cooperation was not translating to the public sphere of public relations where certain people in the community were always bashing the police. And me as a police officer, I always said to myself, it sure would be nice if the cooperation that we had on the street, that it translated to those who were in authority and who were the the voice of the community, because I never heard anything, any compliments, anything good, anything constructive coming out. It was basically bashing the police department. So that's one thing that I wish, too, is that some of these representatives that are in the communities would recognize all of the good work that's being done every day on the street. Yes. Now, tell us, what has been the result? You mentioned some of it now, you know, these defund the police kinds of protests. You mentioned some of it. Uh, tell us some more about it, especially the morale within police departments. And I have friends who are officers in California and here in Hawaii as well. So tell us what's 
going on? Yeah, I, you know, I had the privilege to actually meet a lot of police officers here in Hawaii, but I know across the country that there is a large problem trying to recruit police officers because of how they are being treated. You know, people, young men and young women are seeing how they are handled in the media, and they're saying, well, I don't want to do that. There's too much stress. It, you know, I could be assassinated. I could be brutalized. You know, like in the wake of the George Floyd riots, you saw over 2,000 police officers injured wow. in these riots. Wow. And you, you saw an increase in the assassinations of police officers across the country. And so I think these young people are seeing that, and they're like, I don't want to have any part of the police industry or the profession. But the truth is, we need our best and brightest to be new police officers. But because of the degrading of uh, the police profession in the media, you're not getting our best and brightest. They're having problems recruiting, period. So I think this is a big problem uh, as far as the morale of police departments and law enforcement agencies. Also, you're seeing a really large move to retire and, and retire as early as they can because they are tired of the abuse that they are receiving at the hands of the media. Yeah, you know, one thing you mentioned, that we need some of the best and the brightest in law enforcement, and I totally agree. I mean, you're talking about guys that carry a lot of authority and a lot of responsibility, and that responsibility can easily be abused. I mean, you need men and women of strong moral character who will not abuse that kind of authority. And many times, you also have split decisions to make. And so, as you stated, that's why I think the Bible, developing men and women of moral character to serve in law enforcement and in government is absolutely critical. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? It, it used to be that when a young man would come to me in this time frame, I would say, stay away. It's really, you know, it's not a good environment to be in. But now, after really thinking about it, really studying the issue, I think that if you are really concerned about what the police department is doing in reference to culture and how people are treating it, you need to get into law enforcement. If you're called to it, if you think that you have the ability to do it well, and if you're a moral person, if you're a Christian, by gosh, I think you need to really strongly consider getting involved in the police profession. Now, you served in law enforcement for over three decades. I believe. 26 years, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, from your experience, was there systematic police brutality uh, when you were serving as a law enforcement officer? You know, I didn't see it. I didn't see it at all. But what I saw was, you know, unfortunately, there are high-stress situations. Did from time to time, was somebody brutalized in the community? Yes, because, you know, people get overly excited. People uh, lose their perspective when they get involved in a fight sometimes. But 99.5% of the officers that I saw working were never brutalizing people, and nor would I stand for it if I saw it being done in front of me. However, this was interesting. My wife brought home, she's in the uh, hospital profession, she's an administrator, and she brought home some literature, and some of this literature was saying that people are so traumatized by the police department that there's new syndromes of people coming into the, the hospital because of p police brutality, and I thought this was a preposterous report, and how could it be in magazines that somebody is saying this without the footnotes showing exactly the research that's being done. So I think these sorts of 
this climate that we're in, we're seeing more and more outrageous statements against the police department. Yeah, so we're not saying there isn't any abuse of power at times, you know, but those to say that it's systemic, that's what we're saying that's not the case. Right, and I think that's really hostile language, and I think it's actually anti-police bigotry. I mean, we've seen in our past, of course, the bigotry, that the racism that happened against African Americans in our history, and of course that's deplorable. And this isn't the same thing, but I think what you are seeing today is anti-police bigotry that occurs on a daily basis in the media. Where are all the, the, the reports of the great work that the police are doing? I don't see them very often, and I think we're living in a dangerous time where this sort of coverage by the media is really degrading our country. Yes, now tell us, what does the Bible have to say about law enforcement, but also police brutality. Right. We did discuss some specific scriptures early, but I would say that also there's other scriptures generally that cover how police should treat the citizenry, but also how the citizenry should treat the police. And we can only go as far as the golden rule, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. I think this is a great way to do police work to start from a position of respect, to do your job, but not to go too far excessively with emotional outbursts or physical attacks. But it also applies to the citizenry as well, that they should also treat their officers with the respect that they would want to be treated if they were an officer. Hey, why don't you actually buy a police officer a dinner? Why don't you compliment him when you see him? Why don't you thank him for his service? And these are the things that I think that we should do to police officers and that it it is part of the golden rule, which is one of the general rules that we should all abide by. Yes, and, you know, the Bible says that government is there to keep order in society. Yeah, Titus 3 and Romans 13, right? Right, and in order to keep the order in society, you need law enforcement. And that law enforcement itself needs to be just and moral and good and abide by a moral standard that's above them. That's right. And Paul teaches us that, too. And Jesus also tells us to render under Caesar what is Caesar's. So, you know, if uh, we want an orderly society, we should render unto our government the due obedience that's deserved. Of course, that doesn't mean taking abuse from any police officer. Of course, we should police the police, but the general principle is that we should respect our police, and that comes from the Bible, I would suggest. Yeah, and as we're talking about, uh, understanding that God's law is above all of us, even government officials. Back in the day, whatever the government or the king said, that was law. But in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament law, it made clear that even the king is to obey God's law and is under God's law. And that was part of the design of our founding fathers. So we're able to have a standard by which we can judge our government officials and, you know, our law enforcement officers. And thank goodness that we have that because today in our postmodern society, everybody's making their own truth. And I think that's one of the problems too today is everybody says, well, truth is what I say it is, or truth is what my group says it is. I'm not worried about actually objectively telling the truth 
I'm just worried about furthering my agenda. So thankfully, we have in our society, historically, we've founded it on the truth of the Bible. We founded it on those moral standards that you were discussing that can help us govern and also help us to police as police officers as well. Yeah, so as we were discussing the racism in our country, we were able to correct it and correct ourselves and improve. Why? Because we had a higher moral law that we could point to, and so we could correct ourselves as part of the greatness of the United States, that we could criticize and correct ourselves and move us to a better standard because we were one nation under God's law. Absolutely. And of course, that goes to right now. If we see an abuse, then we have that foundation to actually step in and correct it. Law enforcement will never be perfect. There will always be cases of police brutality. There will always be cases when a law enforcement officer will step out of line. And you're right, even into the future, it won't be perfect, but we still have that foundation to say, hey, what you did was wrong, and we need to correct it. But, of course, that doesn't mean that just because one officer steps out of line that the other 99.9% are stepping out of line systemically. Yeah, and when an officer does step out of line, then how does the police department or the citizen correct them or hold them accountable? Yeah, and we do have that process through, uh, like if you have a city manager, that city manager is the police chief's boss, and that city manager is accountable to the city council. So there's where you put the pressure on. If there is a rogue police officer, then you would go to the city council members or you would go to the city manager directly and make your complaint or to the police chief to get your satisfaction, to get your justice. So we have these things, these principles that are in place where we can keep the police accountable. And they've worked pretty well, I'd say, even through my career and beyond. And I suggest to you that is the best way to do it and to adopt some sort of national police force or to defund the police will just make our communities less safe and a more dangerous place to live. Yeah, and that's the danger I see in groups like Black Lives Matter and critical theory when they're appealing for justice, like the new social justice movement. What standard are they appealing to? When our founding fathers fought the Revolutionary War, if you read the Declaration of Independence, they're appealing to a higher law, the law of God. Right? We are endowed by our creator with inalienable rights. They're pointing to a higher law. The Civil War, they were also appealing to the Declaration of Independence, but also the law of God. In critical theory, in Black Lives Matter, and in other movements like this, I mean, what are they appealing to as their standard of justice? Well, yes, a very good question, Patrick. And I would suggest to you that it goes back to, of course, I think critical theory, but also postmodernism, where you don't look at the objective facts so much. What you're interested in is just furthering your agenda, and it doesn't have to be truthful. It just has to, because postmodernism that's not based on God, that philosophy says, we're going to make our own meaning in our own small group. And when we make our own meaning in our own small group, well, that's really objective truth. Aside from the facts, we don't care about the facts. It's whatever furthers our agenda. And I think that it's not moored in the Bible. It's not 
moored in a philosophy based upon God existing and, and uh, actually having an ethical standard. It's based upon something that they, a construct that they've come up with to further their agenda. And I would suggest to you that that's a socialist agenda where they want to wipe our current form of government away and start new. Yeah, and one of my concerns is a lot of Christians and churches have bought in to critical theory and the new social justice movement. Would you agree? And and what message would you be giving to these Christian leaders out there? I mean, I, I do agree, and I think it's sort of, it's very seductive because, you know, Christians are supposed to be people of compassion. And, if, and justice. And justice, right. So if people are being abused systemically, then it's a, a natural reaction for Christians to say, well, I want to be involved and I want to help end this uh, subjection of whoever it is. But the truth is, is that this is something that is not based on the statistics. It's not based on facts of what is actually happening on the street. It's something that's being purported to be the truth when in actuality it's not borne out if you look at any of the statistics. So I think it's very dangerous, and I would ask the church leaders to consider the fact that we need to be truth tellers. We need to be ones that support the law enforcement because the Bible tells us to, Titus 3.1, Romans 13, and also to be involved in a positive aspect with not only policing the police when a police officer steps out of line, but also being those who love the police and who support the police and to let them know in practical ways how much they are appreciated. So I think that would be an important role for a pastor to have today. Yeah, and how do we get the facts? You know, a lot of us, what we're hearing from is through the media, and we've done several shows on this. We know that there is bias in the popular media. So how do we get the facts? Well, you know, I'm not like an extremely brilliant person. I just go to the library every so often. So, I mean, if you're really concerned about this issue and want to do your own research, I can encourage you to do it. I encourage you to go to the library. I encourage you to go to the FBI uh, statistical information that's located on their websites and to see for yourself how many arrests are happening and to actually do studies about shootings of people by the police or studies. One was from the University of Michigan, I believe, that discussed that, well, the, the main determining factor for somebody being shot by the police is not the color of their skin. Rather, it's how many uh, felons they have committed, or is it a high crime area? That's more of the factor than is skin color. So I think it's just a time for people to study and to become informed and to get in the game, as it were, as opposed to just uh, believing something somebody says. Check it out for yourself. Yes, you and I did graduate work, and I think one of the things that we learned once we got into graduate work is know your source you know, and make sure you go to the source or a very credible source that you can look at that is fair and also to be looking at both sides of the issues and see who's got the facts, you know, on their side. Yeah, that's right. And like you said, is it a good source? Is it something that you can rely upon? And I would suggest to you that many of the media reports that you see, it's not a good source. Matter of fact, I remember that it was probably several years ago, there was a shooting in uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and it was a controversial shooting. And you saw versions of the shooting that was on the media. But if you looked around a little bit, 
what you would see is that it was a truncated version mm-hmm. of the shooting that the media was showing. And if you saw the longer version, it was obvious the police officer had no choice but to use lethal force. And so those are some of the things as far as sources. You can't always believe what you see on the media. It should be investigated. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's a biblical principle there. We're truth seekers, right? right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, you know, as we uh, bring this uh, show to a close, what words of wisdom would you have for young men and women listening out there who are considering a career going into law enforcement? <laughs> well, I'm going to go against what I was saying several years ago, and I did have a change of heart. If you really are concerned, if you are a person of good health and a person who makes good decisions and of high moral integrity, I would encourage you to go into the police profession because it is a noble profession and you can really minister to people if you're a Christian in very practical ways. If you have somebody in the back of your cruiser that's had the worst night of his life, you have an opportunity not only to administer justice, but also to administer compassion to that person, to pray for that arrested person in the back of your vehicle and treat him in a way that might help change his life for good. So I would encourage all young people, consider law enforcement, consider it maybe even uh, your life's vocation in ministry to serve the public in that way. Yeah, you know, just curious question. You're a detective involved in investigation. How close is CSI, you know, TV show to to reality? Oh, my goodness. You know, I see so many of those shows, and what it doesn't show is the stress that the police go under on a daily basis. And there is a rise, a large rise in police suicides. That is an epidemic because the stress is there. They're not getting the support that they need sometimes from the community. You don't see this aspect of the stress of the police officer's job. You just see some sort of glorious shootout, and then the guy (laughs) goes home and he's not affected by it. That couldn't be further from the, the truth because that's more entertainment than it is reality. Yeah, so if you're considering a career in law enforcement, don't expect CSI, what you're seeing there on TV. <laughs> well, Ross, has been great having you here on the show and giving us a great understanding of law enforcement and addressing this issue of police brutality. You know, if people want more information on what you've talked about, they can come to Evidence and Answers and listen to this interview on our website, but how can they get in touch with you? And uh, you also have information on this and other apologetics material. How can they get in touch with you and see your work? Yeah, sure. Thank you. I have a site, www.shieldyourfaith, one phrase, shieldyourfaith.org, and you can contact me there through the website and also look at some of the related articles that I have on uh, various apologetics topics. But I also like to make a plug for Rosho Christi, which is a campus ministry And if somebody is an aspiring theologian or apologist or philosopher, I would encourage you to get in touch with Rosho Christie at roshochristie.org and maybe consider starting a campus ministry to change the culture on campus. That's great. You've been listening to our interview with Ross Hickling. He, He served in law enforcement for nearly three decades and then later earned a master's in in apologetics from Biola and a PhD from Northwest University. So you can find more information about him on the internet there. So, Ross, I'm sure you'll be back with us again on Evidence and Answers, but thanks for being with us this week 
on evidence and answers. Patrick, it's been a joy. It's been wonderful getting to meet you and to be back on the island where I grew up. Wonderful. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. You'll find we have a wide variety of different topics that will make for an incredible conference series. So if you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or even schedule an apologetics conference at your location, give him a call in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Be sure to use our search engine for available resources. We have everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with those around you. To keep quality broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous financial support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to partner with us, head on over to our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org, and you may do so right there online. Evidence and Answers would like to thank one of our sponsors, the Honolulu Christian Church. If you don't have a home church and are looking for a great place to connect and grow in Christ, check out the Honolulu Christian Church. For service times, log on at honoluluchristian.org. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran. Oh, 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 oh,